Hello and welcome to the Basketball Champions League Coast to Coast podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I'm David Hine and my partner in crime, Igor Jerkovic. Igor, how you doing? Oh, doing fine. Uh, ready to go. This was a busy day, uh, busy week in terms of Basketball Champions League. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I like uh, games on Thursday too that makes the... Uh, Getting everything ready for Friday a little bit a little bit more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Um, and I guess we have one more week of that uh, next week. Uh, we're gonna break down obviously all the action from this week uh, and look at next week. The interview we have is with Philip Galeski, the uh, GM of Broza Bamberg. So this week we we now have six teams of the eight in the final eight set. Uh, in Group I, we have uh, uh, Halon has made it there. Um, group J has the two Spanish teams, Burgos and Tenerife. Group K, Nizni had already been there, and then Saragossa and Nimburg are both from groups uh, from Group L. So the only two spots left are, uh, along with Halon, basically. Um, the basically the winner, uh, not quite. We can kind of get to it later. Uh, Kashiyaka or Brindisi, and then in Group K um, is that is basically then the winner between Strasbourg and Turk Telecom. Uh, but like I said, we'll kind of talk about that later on in the week. Um, besides the teams qualifying, uh, you know, we also saw a pretty. Um, I'm not. I, I I can't say anything uh, about Ego uh, Ego with a surprise uh, word in there. Um, they beat the um, they beat the San um, San Pablo Burgos uh, top team in Igor's power rankings. Uh, <laughs> number 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 two Nizni also went down, and as did number four Brindisi. Uh, so I guess that makes Holon number one. <laughs> yeah, Holon's number one. Um, I guess. Um, you know, just your thoughts. You know, first, you know, big picture. You know, uh, we kind of thought that we're, you know, we probably, you know, we know quite a bit of the teams uh, after this week. Uh, just first, big general thought before we jump into the games. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that we already know six teams because I expected it like four or five, but six is a lot. And still, there's going to be some interesting stuff for the last weeks. We still have. Two more spots, and it's basically it comes down to head-to-heads, head-to-head battles with Karciak and Brindisi and Turk Telekom and Strasbourg. Basically, winner takes all with a bit of leverage when it comes to the Karciak and Brindisi duel. Yeah, and then obviously first place is still up for grabs um, uh, in, in in those groups as well. So yeah. uh, we we don't have any standout performances uh, this week at the time of recording. So let let's jump into the the action um, in Group I. Tofas Bursa uh, won at home ninety to seventy nine. Their first win, uh, dropping Kashiaka to two and three, and then Hapol uh, Unet credit Halone. Uh, Jumped to four and one with their overtime 81 79 victory over Happy Casa Brindisi, who dropped to three and two. Uh, those two games just uh, I'll let you start. Um, I always say that you know, like we still miss Croatian influence on the basketball champions league, and every time I see a Croat doing well, I have to emphasize it even more. 
So um, I'm going to say that I really enjoyed what Tomislav Zubčić did against Kašiaka. Uh, he had 21 points, uh, basically scored 17 of those in the last 20 minutes and one second because he he had a buzzer-beating three-pointer to end the first half, which kind of got him going. And he was basically unstoppable every time that Kašiaka were on the verge of making some kind of run. Uh, Zubčić would step up and hit a three-pointer. And basically that kind of was the dagger for Karciak. I mean, Tofash were already out and they made life more difficult for their compatriots now. Yeah, a little bit of revenge. And also, you know, it just seemed like this was the Tofas team that we kind of uh, expected to show up in the in the playoffs and and they uh, just weren't able to uh, get the, the victories. Um, in in the other game, um, you know, you you look at you look at uh, how Halone won last week uh, with the technical, and then you you look at this the going to overtime, and then the the inbounds basket by uh, by Deseo. You know, it's it's you're getting to you're getting a feeling like this is a like a magical year. Um, yeah, you know, they also have the fans who are obviously so boisterous. Yeah, exactly. Anyhow. So it, it seems to be kind of building up. Every year has a team that you don't expect to be in the final four. This, obviously, this year the final eight, and you know this is a team that you know maybe that's they're they're, they're on that uh, Antwerp Giants uh, level. You kind of have that feeling. Yes, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't quite compare them to Antwerp Giants because Antwerp Giants did it with a lot of Belgian talents like Van Wijn and Baku, like a lot of domestic players, but. Uh, still, it's an amazing run because they put together such a great team, and then you have a veteran in Guy Pnini who is playing crazy good for mm-hmm. his age, and basically just—it's a beautiful story to see it all unfold in front of the fans too. Just gotta be happy about Holon. Yeah. Um, moving on to Group J. Um, we had the three games, uh, Igokea, uh, winning quote at home, 77, 75 against Burgos. That game was in Burgos. Um, and then, uh, we had the, we had Fevriga, uh, losing, uh, at, at home, 77, 64 to Tenerife. And then in the home game for Burgos, uh, 80, they, Took home an 83-71 victory over Igokea, um, Burgos, and Tenerife. Now through uh, Igokea, uh, definitely set at the third spot. Um, three games. I'll let you kind of go wherever you feel like it. Um, this this kind of reminds me of the whole NBA situation with teams playing back to back games against the same opponent, mm-hmm. and we already had that kind of. Uh, scenario happening before the New Year's when Igokea were playing twice against Hapoel Jerusalem and it's next to impossible to defeat the same team twice in a matter of a couple of days because of the adjustments because of the uh, you know like a playoff series happening on and it was just the way it happened with Igokea and Burgos you always had a feeling that Burgos were going to bounce back and win the second game especially because they kind of lost the first one in dramatic fashion. So basically, it was as expected. And the win 
sent through all the Spaniards to the final eight again, and we're going to have a final eight with uh, Tenerife, Burgos, and Zaragoza once again. Yeah, another uh, uh, three teams uh, from Spain. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, this this um, Igokea team has impressed me the whole year. Um, I, I didn't expect what they have, have been able to do. Um, you know, really dictating the tempo, not losing the ball, only six turnovers in the first game. Obviously, the second game was over um, just a couple minutes after it started. Uh, Burgo said, hey, you know, they pushed their weight around 46 to 26 points in the paint and um, and they were able to run and, and everything else. So, um, but, you know, getting the victory uh, over, you know, obviously reigning champion and, you know, a team that many think could win it again. You know, it's really a fantastic um, accomplishment for for that uh, organization. Yep, agreed. Uh, let's move to Group K. Um, two games there. We had uh, Turk Telecom, Ankara, uh, knocking off Ike, uh, 78-66. Uh, and then uh, Nizhny Novgorod losing their first game. Uh, uh, at home, then 97-87 to Strasbourg. Strasbourg 2-3, and three, Nizhny 4-1, and one, and then Ike and Turk Telecom both at 2-3 and three as well. Turk Telecom, by winning by 12 points after losing by 9, uh, get the tiebreaker over Ike, which Strasbourg had already had. Already had so they are now, uh, Ike is now eliminated. Um, yeah, so uh, what you have for those? Um, I, I was paying so much attention to Turk Telecom and Ike, and it was a good game. It, it felt like not only Ike could uh, erase that big deficit, but they could have also won the game because they were um, within one possession of uh, margin late in the game, and then all of a sudden it just went the other way, and you could see them panicking, which is not something you expect from a team with so many veterans mm-hmm. aboard and the way that Kyle Wilcher played this game he's got to be in MVP contention because this was his kind of game to show that he is the real deal and he can play on this level all season long especially after scoring 5 points getting called out exactly. <laughs> by myself exactly. at least uh, last week I, you know. I was thinking I was thinking about you the entire time like oh, man <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you didn't listen to the show said hey we got to prove Dave wrong there um yeah. uh in the Strasbourg game uh, what I wrote was um and uh size uh maybe included Brandon Jefferson did his best uh, David Holston imitation <laughs> with the 24 points in a in a big game 24 points six three pointers exactly what David Holston would do and obviously there's size comparison but i i think one thing that kind of um uh you know first of all um you know Nizhny was up by 15 ended up losing fourth quarter by 13 and and Shepard was was held in check you know he had he had eight points he had the six assists but he did have five turnovers after having eight in the previous four games in the playoffs so they were able to kind of uh lock down uh Shepard a little bit and as much as um this team does move uh the ball around you know really well Shepard is a huge part of that yeah, I mean, it's going to be different for Shepard from now on. Now mm-hmm. he's got a target on his back because he's no longer just a point guard from a Nizhny team. He's an MVP candidate. 
he's the guy who led them all the way to the final eight. Teams are going to be well prepared to take him down. Group L, uh, four games here. Uh, Saragossa winning at home. Uh, Century Mark 105-88 uh, against Sassari. Bamberg uh, losing quote at home. That was that game was played in Laktiji uh, because the Laktaji because the because Nimburg uh, Czechs are not allowed to, to travel to Germany. 91-80, and then um, Thursday there was Saragossa winning at home. 90 to 71 over Nimburg and then Bamberg winning at home, home, home now, 92, 86. So four games, I'll let you go. (laughs) I have no idea who played whom in this group because there were so many games, but, uh, well, we almost had everybody play everybody almost. Yeah. Good to see Zaragoza finally getting some of that lady luck their way because i watched them play a lot in the spanish league and they're playing good basketball they're not playing bad basketball it's just a couple of overtime defeats you know like uh, closing late games closing closing out those games didn't feel right they lost a couple of close ones and instead of being like 13 and 10 they're 10 and 16 or something like that in the spanish league which is which puts them basically out of the playoffs right now but they still have a lot of time to move up the rankings over there so i'm I'm happy to see them getting some kind of reward for their play because ever since coach hernandez took over they're a different team and jacob wiley has to be the best uh, mid-season signing ever he's been amazing um the thing that you really kind of have to consider also about this Saragossa team is so they beat Cesari by 17 and then beat Nimburg, granted Ona Ruban and uh, Obasohan, uh, but still beat Nimburg uh, by uh, by 19. That was a 35 to 10 run between uh, uh, spanning the third and fourth quarters, 35 10. Um, it was a tie game, 50, uh, 54 54, and then that run. What you have to consider is that Bumberg beat the Saragossa team by forty-one points last week, and exactly. Th- and then they go and do this, you know. So that that's yeah. uh, that's that that shows, you know, how how you know strong te- this team can be. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them being drawn up against either Burgos or Tenerife because I need another Spanish duel in the quarterfinals. Anything else you want to uh, address in these games? Not really. I mean, just said that um, Bamberg got out after their amazing uh, first regular season run, uh, and then just feels like they're just another team that's out of luck. And with all their, all they've been through and everything, I mean, I I kind of hoped they would have still the mathematical chance to advance in the last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, these teams all have two games next week. Uh, uh, yeah, next week. Um, and uh, we do go into the whole Bamberg situation, also a little bit more into the playoffs, how they had uh, problems with a with a COVID quarantine, everything else with uh, with the GM um, Philip uh, Gillespie coming up uh, after overtime. So you just do some extra work. To, ready? Yep. All right. Stat of the week. I'll let you start. Thirty-seven oh one. The amount of minutes and seconds that. Dinamo Sassari were in front of Bamberg and still lost the game. Um, I have 
which was um, you know, Sio Rivero's free throw shooting percentage going into those two free throws against Iokea to tie the game. The first one, he almost airballed it, man. Yeah. yeah <laughs> With zero, 0. 0.5 seconds left. And then the second one, obviously, he couldn't have enough time. But so, yeah. Yeah, I, I still, I'm so high on. Yeah, of course. Uh, the hair, the, the hair yeah. maybe. Yeah, it was amazing <laughs> <Yeah>. this week. <laughs> um, overreaction Friday. Um, you know, I think... I think Tofas might have a possible star in the making in their youth ranks. Um, Efe Demir uh, uh, made his Champions League debut, um, and he's the first player under 17, 16 years old, 20, 220 days uh, to play in a BCL playoff game. Uh, just kind of watched him at the Adidas Next Generation Tournament in Istanbul, under 18, averaged 16.7 points, 9.7 rebounds, and 3.3 blocks. Um, and, and there's a lot to like. There's a lot of leadership uh, in there as well. Um, so uh, overreaction, maybe a possible star in the making, an under 17 guy right there with uh, Tofas. What you got? Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed watching him play meaningful minutes this time around, but he did get dunked on by Onurel Bittim in this one, and it was a massive dunk. Uh, for my overreaction, I'm going to say that Strasbourg are going to make the playoffs because they were down at 0-3, and, and the way they bounce back um, just makes them hot favorites in their last game against Turk Telecom. That's going to be a heck of a game, man. Yes. Did you know? Um, I really hate playing against Turkish teams. Uh, I, I'm, I've, been, I've been around BCL since day one, and I always had a feeling that I have a great record about uh, against everybody, but they are actually two and six against Turkish clubs. Oh, two and six. Yeah. Um, did you know? Uh, okay, so Lucas uh, Polishka uh, in the game over Bamberg uh, scored 26.6 threes, 19 points in the fourth quarter. This was the third time this season that he's uh, that he's hit six three pointers. Uh, he came over to uh, Nimburg from Ulamundo, uh, and he had uh, thirty-one point six three pointers against Ostrava and six point six three pointers, twenty-nine points uh, against Svitavi. So this is the third <laughs> third time this season he's six six threes in a game. That's a good stat. I guess they got a good backup for Wojtek Ruban. Yeah, well, Ruban is special, so I'm not. I, exactly. I don't. I'm not where you're gonna put there. Surprise of the week. I, I'm gonna say the way Nizhny ended up. I'm not gonna necessarily say allowing Strasbourg to get away. Um, you know, they had a 15 point lead and ended up. Um, you know, losing. Uh, by 10 and that's seems to me very unnisney like so that that's kind of the my biggest surprise of the week uh i gotta say that i'm really surprised that not only tofash won the game against karciaka but that they were tortured by tomislav zubcic because he doesn't play in the painted area he doesn't play around the rim he's a shooter and he spreads the floor and that should should have suited 
guys like Amat Mbaye to guard him. I mean, that's just a big surprise to me because uh, I always assumed that playing against Tomislav Zubčić and guys like those would be uh, a good thing for Karsiaka and their small ball lineup. All right, last one, and I can't wait to see what you have for this one. Um, I call it the head scratcher, head scratching BCL related news that fans might not have seen. And I'll let you start actually. Oh, man, <laughs> I got so many stuff, but this game, I mean, they probably seen that CJ Harris is leading the MVP race in my books. But the head scratching part is that there's no J, <laughs> his name is Calvin Harris. <laughs> I don't know how he ended how he ended up being a CJ. My only guess, since there's a father called Calvin Harris and uh, he's the son called Cal- Calvin, Calvin Harris, Jr. So, Calvin Jr. Yeah, CJ. Calvin, Calvin Jr. CJ. But I was like, I, I thought it was like Christian James or Calvin James or something like that. And then I was like, there's no J. <laughs> the CJ is just. Calvin, <laughs> but anyway, he's been amazing and he's the leading candidate in the MVP race. All right. I actually wanted to, uh, shortly after we finished the show last week, I, I thought, oh man, I, I wanted to bring this up. So that's why I brought, I uh, brought in this, uh, item for us. Um, Bakken Bears head coach Stefan Wich, um, is stepping yes. down <laughs> at the end of the season, uh, to go into politics uh, in the city council yeah. of Aarhus uh, 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 with the Social Democrats, twelve Danish champions uh, championships, six cups. Um, he will stay in the club. He said, "Quote: Once a bear, always a bear." As as uh, Bakken Bears fans <laughs> have to love that. And then on top of all of that, obviously Thursday was um, uh, on, on, on Thursday. The news came on the website. That he would be taking over an immediate cons- uh, immediate imp- uh, immediate effect as head coach at at the Spanish top flight club Mora Bank Spashi Malaga, which obviously doesn't exist uh, because that's Andorra uh, 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 Mora Bank Andorra uh, Basi Manresa and Unicaja Malaga, and then at the end it says uh, it you know obviously. April Fool's Day, so so fantastic! Um, Another reason to 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 fall in love with the uh, continue to be in love with with Buck and Bears. So yeah, uh, stepping down, um, uh, yeah, just being able to witness him and 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 what he's done uh, with that team uh, the whole season. Uh, It's going to be yeah, it's a shame that he's not going to be on the sidelines. Happy for him and happy for the club that he's going to stay in the organization though. Yeah, he he's a he is a FIBA Europe Cup legend, and guys that are around that competition have nothing but great words about Coach Vech. All right, so let's move to the interview. Uh, talk to Philip uh, Galeski, the general manager of Bamberg. This is his first season, um, so enjoy that, and we'll catch you on the other side. All right, so on the show this week, we have Philip Galeski from uh, Broza Bomberg, the general manager. Uh, Philip, thanks for coming on and talking to us. You're welcome, David. So we are actually recording this uh, between two games, the day between uh, your club's two games. Um, and um, yeah, I'm sure you uh, were probably uh, not too thrilled with uh with the second half, uh, uh, actually, I guess probably whatever the last 15 minutes, uh, Bomberg were leading by, I think it was 18 in the third quarter. Um, 
against Nimburg, and you guys ended up losing 91-80, so an 11-point loss. Um, maybe maybe just your talk, uh, just talk about the game, how you saw it, um, and then you know, obviously, you know, what do you think happened down down the stretch? Oh, I mean, it was a pretty tough game um, and a really tough loss. I mean, um, we started so well into this um, into this um, game. Um, it was superb what we did uh, on, on both sides of the of the court. So offensively, we were really in a flow, and uh, defensively, I, I mean, Nimble was struggling really to 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 somehow get near at, uh, to the basket. So um, we did an excellent job, but somehow, and and actually, what I think was an issue. It felt somehow like the game versus Saragossa, where I think in, in my career as a general manager, um, I never saw such a game from, from one of my teams. Um, so this was excellent on both sides versus Saragossa. And somehow the, the, the first quarter versus Nuremberg somehow reminded me of that, um, uh, of that performance versus Saragossa. So um, I felt like, okay, we adjust into it. It keeps on going. And I think it, this is exactly what went wrong somehow. We were too relaxed somehow. Everyone thought like, hey, this will happen again. Yeah, and Nimburg then did a great job in um, really getting physical, getting the rebound. And yeah, we didn't have, we, we lost the total control in the offense. We lost the total control in defense and therefore we lost that game. Yeah, Poliske started to <laughs> hit hit shots and more shots and more shots. Didn't didn't yeah. see, didn't seem to end. Um, you guys are now uh, one and three uh, in the playoffs, and you know really face an uphill battle. Uh, of course, like I said we're, at the time of the recording, we're talking before the game um, at home against uh, Dynamo Sassari. Um, maybe just because we we won't know how that that game ends or or whatever happens so maybe just how do you see the playoffs and how they've gone um after the 6-0 start um to uh, in uh, the 6-0 regular season that you guys put together yeah i mean the the 6-0 regular season was like uh, was tremendous for us of course and uh, especially those two games um versus um Pina Kariaka. i mean this i was just um overwhelmed um, by those two games because for me Kardiaka is one of the best teams in the whole competition and the way we played them was just awesome so um, hey we had a good feeling going into the playoffs but then somehow you know we had a lot of injured players right after that time um, we we knew that uh, Nuremberg at that time um, had some we had some uh, difficulties in uh, in, in getting uh, uh, people from Czech Republic to Germany. So basically it was not allowed. So um, we had to play Nuremberg first. Um, afterwards, we had to go into a 10-day quarantine, which we could reduce to a five-day quarantine. And right after this five-day quarantine, we had to um, we had to play in Saragossa. So basically those two games were lost um, because we only had a limited amount of players. And um, it, it, you know having six games and already losing two of them, Although you're not like a, a super bad team, it's just like, hey, those circumstances are pretty, pretty tough for us. Um, it was really a bad start. So, um, but hey, it ended up we were, we were winning, uh, Saragossa, which was just tremendous. Um, I already said like it was one of like one of the best teams I've ever seen. And somehow it felt like, hey, if we're gonna win Nuremberg, um, this might end up in a, in a good situation for us and we can still have a chance to go to the final eight, but somehow now, um, we really have to commit that um, Nimburg, um yeah, they 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 really took their chance, and um, I think they deserve it to go to the final eight. And uh, I mean, we have a small chance to 
still be part of it, but I surely it's going to be super tough. Yeah, uh, so the players somehow it didn't run well for us. I mean, those are special times. Uh, unfortunately, um, we didn't have that uh, a portion of luck that you really need. Um, yeah, that's how it. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about you, just to kind of introduce uh, uh, you um, to the followers of the of the league. Um, we we like to ask our guests how they got into basketball, and you actually did the decathlon, um, and so you actually and and, com- and actually competed in the German championships for that discipline. So so you completed competed in ten different sports, if you will, and none of them obviously were basketball. Um, so how and when did basketball find you? Actually, in decathlon, so I'm I'm not like a I was not a professional athlete or whatever. So it was more, you know, yeah, yeah, doing some sports and and I think still track and field is like super interesting. I think it's one of the those core sports that um all kids should do um, besides um, playing um, basketball or playing uh, some some game with the ball. But anyway, um, decathlon. Um, what we did always for for warming up. Um, was playing basketball actually because um, it's the best you can do in track and field because basically you no know, it's no contact you can play it uh, uh, co-educative to, uh, men and women can play together somehow as well and um, we have always had a lot of fun playing basketball um, in, in the preparation for um, for our practice sessions so um, I was somehow into basketball but I, I'm you know I'm more from a smaller village so um, I never had a chance to really play basketball and I really really missed it so I think I mean of course as a kid you you somehow touch a ball but you never got any education on it you never get how to throw that ball so until I was 16 I never played basketball at all which is super sad and uh, for me right now I think like it's, it's really super important that all kids out there will have the chance to 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 really grab a basketball and get into it um, this is what I learned from my experience because I never had the chance to but um, yeah, so I'm basically pretty pretty um, new into into basketball. I'm not those one of those um, uh, kids that always played basketball and and went into this career. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm new in this business. Let's say like this. Um, you, you studied uh, sports economics at the University of Bayreuth, and then joined uh, the company Medi um, uh, to work in marketing, advertising, and public relations. That company was also the the main and name sponsor uh, for the uh, German club Medi Bayreuth. Um, and then you were named the general manager of Medi Bayreuth in 2014. Maybe just maybe talk about how you landed that position, and what did you think about taking over the club as a general manager? Um, it felt, it feels like it's pretty long ago, actually, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked for many, I, I've worked in, uh, I did a lot of, um, like sponsorships. I was responsible for it. And this is somehow how, um, at that time we, we came to basketball with the company because it was super interesting for us to get into basketball. And, um, somehow, you know, there were also some, let's say, uh, le- uh, yeah, just name it. I mean, they, in Byron, they all had some uh, struggles financially and um, Medi um, helped them as well. And somehow it went all good that uh, Medi said like, okay, we're going to take the, the sponsorship and we still, I think they still have it. And um, uh, somehow they needed someone, they, like the company needed someone they can trust on. And uh, the basketball needed someone who was managing it. So they came to me because at that time I was, I think I was like 26 years old or something like that. So, you know, I didn't have that much experience in, in the business. Um, but, um, yeah, they they gave me the trust and um, it all went pretty well because um, I think like my first season, we ended up 
16, I think. It was really tough about not going down into second um, league. But then in the in the but then we made like uh, rank 12 in the second season. Third season was um, with a new coach, with Raul Corner. We made uh, number four in the BBL, and therefore we qualified for Champions League and did well in, the, in our first year in Champions League. So we had a, like a Cinderella story in Bayreuth. It was a really cool time. Maybe just um, talk about the biggest factor in that turning around. Um, you know, because they were basically uh, in, I think it was 15, I can't remember exactly right now, it was thir- uh, 12, uh, 13 or 14, uh, made the jump back up to the, uh, made the jump to the first division. And then, like you said, basically uh, uh, semifinals uh, in in the playoffs, uh, losing to, to Oldenburg. Um, what was the biggest factor in mm. turning that team around? Mm. I think at that time... Um I think with Raul Corner as a as a new coach, um, he brought up uh, a lot of or he brought a lot of energy into that whole organization. So you know, I was pretty young. Um, I, I set up a new team in the in, in the in the back office, and Raul Corner did the same and on the on the sports side. And we just had a lot of energy. I think also what we had it was a lot of luck in in recruiting because I think like in those teams um, with that small amount of budget. There's all, I think luck plays a big role mm-hmm. in that. I mean, of course, you can somehow, um, yeah, you, you can try to, to get as, uh, as much as success as possible somehow with, you know, having a lot of organizational things getting done. But on the other side, you need a lot of good luck in recruiting because, you know, those cheap players, um, those, um, let's say, like um, rookies from the, from, the, from the States that are coming over first time after college, um, you know, you really need a good pick that they adapt quickly and, I think we had that, and um, we proved that in the second um, uh, in the second year of the Royal Corner, and that we we really um, had that. Um, yeah, we somewhat deserved that luck as well. But um, I think this is not possible to make it over years. Um, therefore, um, this is like the the total difference to to Bose Bamberg. Bose Bamberg is up there, and you you can't just trust on luck. You somehow need to yeah you need to. Um, do everything that you are successful, but not um, trusting on luck. We'll come to we'll come to the Champions League uh, season in, in a second. Um, another question that we like to ask our players or coaches um, uh, is is who are their role models? Um, uh, as far as I was able to tell, it looked like you were twenty seven. You, you know, whatever when you took the position as a GM um, at at Medi at Medi Beirut. Um, how did, did you have any sort of role model as a GM? Maybe how did you go about figuring your plans how to do this? I mean, this was your first time as a, as a, <laughs> as a GM too, and you're only 27, 26, 27 at the time. Honestly, I didn't have time to think about role models. <laughs> I, was, I was just doing what is necessary because, um, you know, at that time, you don't have any clue about how basketball business runs. And I think it's just a, a matter of uh thinking what is the best you can do for the club. Uh, it's basically also a lot of um, effort uh, taking into into work. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many hours I worked uh, day by day. And um, I, I actually I also went to, to university at the time still. So I, I finished my degree, but I had to finish my, my master's degree as well. So um, I was I was really busy at that time, but I always thought like, hey, this is like you, you need to have somehow uh, entrepreneurial uh, mindset. I think this is most important. Uh, it, it, it feels like, hey, this is not the money of the organization. It's your own money and you need to spend it in the, in the, in the best effective way. And um, I think, I mean, of course, you can have a lot of um, role models for that. But um, for me, I think it was just um, doing what I really thought is necessary to do. And um, yeah, somehow it went, it went well. But um, 
I, I can't tell you why, honestly. <laughs> no problem. But uh, I never thought about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that the the champion, the basketball champions league season that we were talking about was the twenty seven eighteen season. Uh, you guys reached the playoffs, uh, beat Besiktas in the round of sixteen, and then ended up losing to fellow German club uh, MHP Raisin Ludwigsburg in the quarterfinals. And you were actually not the GM uh, at the at that time uh, because um, you had left the club at uh, the end of February two thousand eighteen. Round of sixteen was in March, and, and quarterfinals were um, were in March and April. Uh, what did you think about that season? And then leaving at that point, I, I read an interview where you said you have a good feeling of leaving leaving that club in a good state. Yeah, but uh, honestly, I was I was still the GM um, on on the paper, so I was still there, and uh, I, I also watched the games in in the arena, uh, sitting on the bench. So I was, um, although I was also working for another company, I was still um, the GM of of, of Medi Bayreuth. So um, therefore, I I really remember that tough loss when I think we lost the first, I mean, we won the first game in Bayreuth, and then we lost um, the the lost in in Ludwigsburg, and therefore we didn't make it to the to the final four. Which was super sad because I really wanted to be there uh, with that team, and we—I felt like we deserved it. But anyway, um, I, for me, it was most important to leave the organization in a really uh, good condition. So I thought, um, if you're leaving in the in the yeah, let's say like in the first three to four months of a year, I think it's the best way to 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 leave and, and club because they a lot of things are already um, are already on on their way. Um, but still, there's a lot of room or a lot of um, uh, space for another one to 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 make the right uh, things um, for the next season. So what I did at that point was um, we, we renewed the contracts of of uh, Dorit, I think, for Andy Seifert, so our really key uh, national um, players and um, like the domestic players. And uh, the other thing was um, I, I also renewed the contract of of Raul Corner. And of Medi, the main sponsor. So the basic things were already set for the future, and um, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, hey, let's let's leave at that point because in a, on a later, if you're leaving in the summer, um, a new GM don't have a chance to really um, get his things um, getting done for the new season. Yeah. Um, where most, I mean, that was the plan. <laughs> yeah, and and it, and it works. I mean, uh, especially Corinna, you know, has been uh, has has continued to have success, um, and and really that foundation of the of the the German players has been uh, super crucial for 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 that club. Um, whereas most players or coaches or GMs would go from one club to the next, you actually left the sport um, and and joined the company Cybex, which is actually best known for selling uh, children's strollers and car seats. Um, maybe what was your mind frame in, in taking that move to leave the game? And, um, I mean, you did remain in Byright because Cybex is, is, is located in Byright, but you know, what was your mind frame of, of, of leaving the game at that time? Uh, so, so Cybex, first of all, is, is, is a really young, um, uh, uh, yeah, really young company. And there are a lot of, um, former basketball players and coaches uh, in that organization, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. So the okay. CEO, uh, Johannes Schlamminger, he was a former professional basketball player as well. So there was always like a connection into, uh, with basketball, which is really interesting because, you know, Bayern is a basketball city as well. So anyway, um, I thought like, hey, it, it's super intense to work in sports. Uh, that's what I was saying. Like before in Bayern, we had like, I don't know, 80, 100 hours a week. So this was like just normal. You're working like all day. And whenever you walk to, through the city, you always have to talk about basketball because all the fans, everyone is... Um, 
approaching us. I'm like, hey, I was 100% only into basketball. And somehow I felt like, hey, it's just enough. I need something else. And I want to have like a normal job, let's say like this. And at that time, also my former boss um, told me to come over to Cybex to, to help him uh, in, a, in a specific uh, role as a project manager. But anyway, um, somehow it felt for me right to, to leave sports. And I, I never thought like I, I'm going to go back to basketball into another city and, and to really be general manager of a different basketball club. I never thought that. I, I always thought like, hey, I'm going to a, a regular company and um, I'm just a fan of basketball. I will see uh, or watch all those games in Bayreuth and just being a fan and maybe a sponsor, but that's about it. So uh, that it all ended up different, I, I didn't expect that. Uh, you eventually moved to Broza, the company Broza, and, and worked as a consultant with uh, Broza chairman My, uh, Michael Strasak. Um, you know, he's the face of the of the of the club. Obviously, maybe um, how would you describe uh, his passion for bas basketball? Um, Mr. Strasak is like uh, he's just um, he's a sportsman through. Through, yeah, everything, uh, whatever he, he does, it, it's into sports somehow. It, this is it's his mindset. But it, he's also, I, I mean, he was a really a professional um, horse rider. Um, uh, he was, uh, he's still driving. I mean, he's right now um, 73 or four years old, and he's still driving uh, rally cars. So, and, and, and with a lot of success still. So, he's so much into sports. And not only as a fan, and as a sponsor, he just breezes it. So, he's, you know, he's a, He's uh, really um, supporting also a tennis player, um, Kevin um, Kravitz, uh, who, who also won um, in the double the, uh, in, in, pa in Paris, um, the Grand Slam. So I think already two times. So, um, you know, he always, his mindset is into sports. He wants people who are uh, into, into sports. So it's, it's, it's just crazy to listen to him, um, how he really feels it. So whenever you hear a lecture about um, sponsoring in sports or whatever, um, go to Michael Soshik and just listen to him because um, he's, he's a role model, basically, for this um, sort of thing. So um, he's into basketball. He loves basketball. He watches every all games from, from Bose and Bamberg, and, um, although he never played it. So this is like uh, the best thing that can happen. And somehow um, uh, he also made me to, to, to join him and um, be part of Bose at that time. But honestly, at that time, I, I didn't. I also told him, like, I don't want to, be the GM of, of Rose Bamberg, so <laughs> it all came different. And that did, and that didn't uh, hold over. <laughs> um, in July uh, last year, 2020, you were named the GM. Uh, you 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 mentioned before you were um, you know you were going to take an everyday job and everybody because also because everybody wanted to talk to you about basketball. Um, that's the same thing in in Bamberg, where Freak City, uh, everybody, and that's really the only sport, uh, the only team that's that's <laughs> there. Um, what did you think about getting back into the game and and obviously with a club with with so much history, um, with the nine league championships and uh, and six German cups. So first of all, I should have read by my my CV first because I didn't know that you're talking about my pass all the time. So it's interesting that you uh, all read it through, and um, yeah, uh, I, I didn't expect that. But anyway, it's good that you're talking about my past. But anyway, but right now we are in the present. Yeah, I mean, it all came by by yeah suddenly. Uh, so Mikhail Sasha called me like, hey, um, uh, Mr. Galeski, you need to take over uh, Brose Bamberg because I need someone in. I'm, I'm trusting and. Um, uh, are you or are you willing to do this and you know i mean he was my boss so i didn't have any choice at that time but on the other side honestly 
um, being the GM of, of Rose Bamberg is just uh, tremendous, I think, because it's, it's a great organization. As you said, um, you have this great city, you have Freak City, you have all those fans and sponsors uh, standing behind that um, sport and behind that club. And, um, you know, it's just like a, a huge move um, going there. But um, being at the office, you know, I, I realized that it's not that far away from what we did in Bayreuth. So um, it's just everything is a little bit bigger, but it's also intense. Um, it's also about the same. So it's just like, you know, doing the same thing, but in a, in a, in a, in a bigger way, let's say like this. And um, honestly, I haven't seen that much from Freak City yet because um, yeah, I no came fans. in July. The Corona <laughs> pandemic was already around. So we had one single game as a, as a preparation game versus um, Ostende. And uh, I think there were like 400 people or somewhere in the boat arena. And this was crazy from the atmosphere. It was like, I mean, I remember when we were, when we were playing Bayreuth uh, versus uh, Strasbourg, we had to play in the boat arena because our uh, Oberfrankenhalle was not um, um, available. So um, I remember when we had like 2,000 fans of Bayreuth going to Bamberg to watch a home game. Um, but and, and I of course remember playing Bayreuth versus Bamberg. Uh, we always had this huge arena against us. But um, now being part of this and having those fans cheering for your team, this was just amazing. And those were only 400. So I was thinking of like, hey, when we are really like sold out, we have like over 6,000 people there. This must be uh, tremendous. But I, I didn't have this experience yet. So this is like what is so sad and also so sad for my team right now. And, and I, of course, also for Johan Royakas because they didn't have this experience yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Eventually, eventually. We like to be thorough in our interviews and research for the interviews. So, um, you, you said it. You said at your inter introductory press conference uh, back in in July last year um, that 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 Bamberg uh, that um, that Bamberg and, and Freak City kind of needs to rise back up, and that it had kind of been asleep over the years, and, and really hadn't had that same regarded it had before. Um, at least, and you said that at least that was how you you sort of sensed it as an outsider, um, and it, and it wasn't the freak city that you knew and that you hated and envied um, as an opponent. Um, how um, how did you um, what did you what did you want to? I mean, okay, it's hard to 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 actually say how you want to do this, but um, because we don't have the fans right now, but how do you want to try to? bring that freak city stigma um you know status attitude everything back obviously once the fans do come back mm. um yeah i mean first of all i think um fans need to to gain again the trust into the team they need to identify with the team i think this is the most important thing so they need um players that they know somehow that are not changing every year so what we did in the first step is um, we had Chris Engfelder still, who is like one of those, um, yeah, I would say he's one of those role models. He's one of those players who are, you know, he, they are super nice uh, if you just talk to them. But on the court, they're like uh, just like 100% or 120% um, for the game and for the team. So um, he's one of those guys I always want to have in that team. And we, we had like, a, we already had him, him for one year. So now it's the second year and we still want to keep him for many more years. And um, 
apart from Chris, we also have like three, uh, two more uh, German players. Um, they somehow build our core. Let's say like this, we want to keep them. We want to have them in our organization. Uh, people need to know them. Um, people like the, the young kids need to look up to them and say like, hey, uh, one day I want to be like them, you know? And um, around that core, we build up a lot of players that, yeah, Ideally, they stay longer for um, to for the for the organization or in the in the club because um, yeah, I want to have like, those, those idols. Um, so I think this is um, just from a professional team. This is super important. On the other side, it's like um, what we build with the youth team. So I think we we were really good at this, but somehow um, we we lost it a little bit to to we, we lost a lot of talent. Um, you know, there was not that um, strict um, path to to follow. Uh, so we are right now recruiting a lot of uh, young talent into into our organization. Um, uh, Wolfgang Heider, um, he I brought him back. Um, uh, he's right now supervising it, which which helps us a lot. And um, I think, um, but it, it needs some time. And but um, I think um, if once um, the fans and the sponsors are trusting our on our work, um, this will uh, quickly come back that we really um, are um, have this energy of of Freak City what, how it was before. Yeah. Uh, but well, it's, it's, as I said, like it's, it's a super huge thing. Uh, you can't just um, change it by one year. I think it needs some time. I love the bringing back Wolfgang Heider. I I went to a lot of uh, 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 Bomber games, home games, and you know he was the face of that club for for fifteen years. Brought so much success, um, and uh, and he you know is such a basketball. Uh, yeah, I mean, junkie and, um, and, and obviously identifies so much with the club. So that was a huge move. Uh, obviously the other big change was bringing in Johan Reich as the coach. Um, but not only him, uh, from Göttingen who, and he really, uh, despite not having almost any money, you, I mean, you really have to say, especially compared to, let's say to Bamberg, um, uh, you know, really put together a great, a great organization. And, and he also came with his assistant coach, his athletic, um, uh, athletics coaches, as, as well as the data and anal analysis. How important was, was, was bringing that and also Bennett Hood, uh, have to also say, um, coming over, um, and, um, uh, and how how important was it bringing over the the Göttingen game? Actually, was Dominic Lockhart was there? Was he was he there as well? Is that? I'm trying to remember, but maybe yeah, bringing was, bringing yeah, bringing that that mm -hmm. that Göttingen core that really did so much. Um, uh, really, despite not having much money. You know the thing is when I when I told you like that Michael Stoschek Michael Stoschek called me and asked me to be the GM. Um, it was already decided to to have Johan Reuger uh, mm -hmm. there. So one of my first things to do was uh, grabbing my phone and calling him Johan because I mean, of course, I knew him from before uh, over the years when I was in Bayreuth, but I never had any. And uh, we never get, went to. In, in, uh, we never had any, yeah, connection or whatever. So um, uh, it was all decided. And but it, for me, it makes sense. I think when if, if a head coach is is, is recruited, it, it is really important that he has an assistant coach he's trusting on. And why not also an athletic coach? And um, about those players, about uh, Bennett Hund, about Dominic Lockhart. Um, hey, I mean, we only have, I mean, we have a lot of German players, but you really need that affordable players for our organization that really bring us on the next level. Yeah? And I thought like, hey, Dominic Lockhart and, and Bennett Hund, at that time, they were like, I mean, we didn't, it was a risk, let's say like this, but on the other side, uh, Johan knew best what we can expect. And he was totally right. Yeah? So he, um, I think it was a super good move um, to bring those players with us. So I, I was not thinking about, hey, this is a Göttingen connection or whatever, or Göttingen gang. Um, it just, 
you know, it just happened, and, and this is fine for me because, of course, um, Johan wants somehow um, people that he already worked with and he wants uh, and he feels well with. So, um, for me, uh, it makes sense. And uh, I was not thinking about, uh, oh, are we are, uh, they're only from Göttingen. Oh, I don't want to have this player because he was in Göttingen and those are too many people from Göttingen. Hey, first of all, we need to, to build a surrounding where everyone feels well. I think this is most important in an organization to be successful. Um, I'm sure you think about it way too much and would probably rather not talk about it. Um, but financially, um, you know, I, I think I read somewhere where you, you know, sort of before the season, you kind of calculated with maybe a 35% fan capacity. I don't think we're going to get there. Um, I, I know there's been money, um, uh, from the, from the federal government, uh, to, to sports clubs, um, I, I read that you guys uh, at least applied for it. I don't know how much you got. And, you know, that's not what I, you know, I'm not looking for numbers or anything like that. But just maybe talk about the financial strain that, um, that, that, um, that, you know, running, running a club and not knowing at all if you're going to have any money, if you're going to have a little bit of money and, and how, the, how you deal with that. Mm. I mean, this is super, super complex in this situation because, or in this season, because, um, yeah, of course, we were um, calculating with some spectators. Uh, I mean, you, you all summed it up pretty well. But um, what is what was really interesting in this season is that um, week by week, you're changing your plan somehow. You always have to adjust it. And um, this was uh, super wild. Because, I mean, just to give you like an example, at, usually at this time of the season, you're thinking about the new season. You already planned mm -hmm. your whole season mm -hmm. for next year. Uh, at that time, I don't I still don't know. Do we have any spectators in 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 autumn or not? So I have no idea what to plan, uh, to be honest. So uh, and this is also how this season went. So of, of course you have also less cost if you don't have any spectators for the arena. Um, it costs less. You don't need the security and so on and so on. No catering and whatever. Yeah. So it's always um, uh, adjusting the the plans and it's for me it's it's like super uncomfortable because I don't. Uh, you, you don't know what to plan, how to plan, and um, it's just uh, you always have to talk to your sponsors that they are, you know, they, they, that they don't want the money money back for for all those ticketing or, mm -hmm. or VIP ticketing or whatever. So this is like um, there is a lot of talks and a lot of talks on the phone, which is which makes it even harder because, as you know, in basketball um, or as sponsors, they are, you know. They are very you, face you to face. Talk to them after a game. They, you know, after a game like Saragossa, uh, which you won like tremendously, you go to the uh, VIP area and you talk to the sponsors, and everyone like, yeah, and <laughs> go for next season and you get your 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 yeah, contract. Exactly. Uh, but right at that time, you get like two or three text messages from someone saying, "Hey, great game." Yeah, but that's about it. You're getting text messages. You can call someone, but this is not like this. This is not like this emotional thing that we really need to have there to 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 get the sponsor deals done. Um, so it's it's tough. But on the other side, um, what makes it even worse for me right now is that we are not able to plan the next season yet um, in with regards to uh, how many um, uh, spectators we will have, or do we do we have uh, spectators? I mean, I'm hoping for it, but this is, makes it uh, super tough right now. Yeah, obviously. And, um, I'm, I'm, with, with the numbers, I mean. In general, we, we are going through that season. I mean, this is most important for me right now. It's 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 a it's a struggle. We had some good, um, as you said, like we had this um, money from the government somehow, uh, which which somehow helps us um, to, yeah, yeah. I mean, to 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 um, I mean, yeah, to to 
Um, I'm right now looking for the word. I'm sorry <laughs> to compensate um, the, the losses from which we were planning on, on ticketing, but only somehow. But um, uh, our sponsors are really, uh, we have a lot of sponsors that are here for, for many, many years and um, they are trusting on us and, and they really help us. Um, but I don't think that we can continue this for another season. So um, if, if this pandemic situation will stay for another year, um, it will really get complicated for us. Let's get back to the B, uh, BCL and I'm just about just about done here. Um, you, you were in the BCL back in 2017-18, as we talked about with Bayreuth, and then you were um, away from it for two seasons and uh, and now back in it. And as someone who probably didn't follow the league that much um, during that time, um, and now being back, how do you see the development um, of the Basketball Champions League, um, let's say, since the 2017-18 uh, season? Oh, I really, I really like that um, uh, yeah, that um, coverage on the, on the social media. Um, I think the BCL is doing a tremendous job there. You know, all the small video snippets. And um, I, um, I also like this artworks they're doing. So I think this is a really professional approach. Um, on the other side, I was I was hoping that it's getting bigger somehow from the attention. Um, I'm still in Germany. The BGL is, you know, um, they still have room to grow, let's say, like this. And I'm, but on the other side, hey, you have like really, really good teams there. I mean, I think from a um, from from a competition standpoint, um, there are it, it, it's super tough to play BGL. It's not like hey. Um, we are bros a bumper, we go into this competition and we just win it. I, this is not possible. You we also have uh, struggled to, to go through that group stage right now. So um, it, it, it's tough to, to go to the BCL. I think it's a fair competition. I think the whole model, how it's set up, um, uh, it, it's really fair for clubs to, to join that. Um, for me, honestly, in, in Bayreuth, uh, back at the time, um, I think the BCL, I, I read through all um, the regulations and whatever, and I thought like, hey, it makes sense to, uh, as Bayreuth, also as a smaller club, to, to join the BCL because for me it was all super transparent. It was really, um, I really had some, some good talks uh, beforehand and um, I really liked to, to, to join the BCL. And still at, with Brose Bamberg, I'm really happy if we can stay there for more years in, in the BCL because for me this competition just makes sense. It's really like, hey, it's something you can trust on. And um, I think together we will we will still grow. And I think there is a is a huge um, a market to 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 grow together still for for BCL. I think the the competition uh, me or the the BCL needs way more um, uh, yeah coverage and and way more attractive. Uh, I think it's super attractive. I think it, it's super good sports we are uh, showing there. And uh, I think we be a bigger um, yeah bigger. Um, uh, just help me. <laughs> attention, better. Yeah. A uh, bigger attention. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Johan was actually right now calling me on the phone. <laughs> La last question, because because you, I'm sure you have dozens, dozens of things, dozens of things, uh, dozens things to do. Um, uh, obviously, there's a huge game tomorrow with with uh, Cesari. Um, and and he's right now in the bus. I think that's why he's calling me right now okay. <laughs> because he has some time to talk. Um, <laughs> but anyway, no no rush at this. <laughs> what what would it mean to this club if you guys get back to the to the final? Uh, well, okay, it was the final four uh, two years ago. But but you know everything. You know it's a new era, new coach, and everything else, and you know new 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 plans and everything else. What would it mean if you guys were able to accomplish uh, a, a getting to the final eight? I mean, I, it would be a, a huge surprise for us. And, um, you know, I'm not super sad if we don't make it, honestly, because, hey, 
that's how it is. Um, as, I, as I said, like we didn't have that luck then. Um, but for me, um, honestly, if we don't make it this year, we have to do it next year um, because, hey, I think um, Borussia Bamberg is, is an organization which needs to stand at the at the top eight. I think this is like super important for us um, to be among to be among the best teams in, in Europe here on, on, in this competition. So, um, what would it mean? I mean, hey, we always I always want to have with Borussia Bamberg. I always want to be one of those. Um, uh, teams, or I always, no matter in what competition, uh, whether it's a BDL or a German Cup or the, the national competition, we always need to be somehow in a range of, um, yeah, somehow winning a cup, you know, winning a title. And no matter whether it's the BDL national competition, the cup or, or the, the Champions League. And, um, this is what we are striving for. I don't want to be like the, you know, number three in Germany, number four in Germany. I want to be somehow a contester for, for, for winning a cup. And uh, I think uh, the BCL is another chance for us to, to win that, um, although it's pretty hard. Um, and uh, But the final eight is, is a step to go there. And um, this is what we are striving for and what we want to achieve. Um, so if we, it's not going to happen this year, we need to uh, make it happen next year. Yeah? And um, yeah, this is what we, what we are um, aiming for. However, um, I think in the BCL, and this is what it makes makes it even more interesting. I think probably most of the clubs that are making it to the top eight can really reach, uh, or, or can really reach the final or, or win the the, the the cup because there is. I think that the level is is pretty high, and it's, but still it's pretty equal. And I think this makes it even more interesting. Excellent, uh, Philip Philip Galeski, the GM of uh, Brose Bamberg. Thanks for your time. Um, sure. Uh, good luck and have some, uh, yeah, you have, uh, keep the nerves in check, uh, tomorrow against Cesare and, uh, and good luck down the road. Thanks, David. Thanks for calling me. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things that, that, um, that, you know, going to so many Bumber games, uh, I found it interesting that he said at his, um, at his introductory press conference that, you know, he wants to kind of bring back this hated, envied opponent that uh Bamberg always used to be um and uh you know obviously it's tough right now without the fans but you know he's you know he's really has to they're they're saying you know at the beginning of the in the off season you know reset button and also you know new era and all that stuff you know they've had um they've had a couple of uh you know strangest years um basically since Trinkieri left and uh, so, you know, we've seen what they've been able to do. Um, and, you know, it's definitely a good start. They found their way in the, in the, in the, in the BBL as well. So um, it was a, it was a good chat. Um, you know, we, we have one more game uh, of, um, I guess we have two games left of, uh, of Bomberg. So uh, your thoughts on, on what Bomberg's uh, been able to do this, uh, this campaign? Um. I mean, this is a rebuilding that the way it's supposed to be. And you can see that they're not the financial giant anymore in Germany. They they cannot just take whoever they want and dominate the league. But the way that they bounce back without basically falling apart, this is just impressive because it's been a couple of seasons and they're going to be back in the title hunt probably. I mean, even if you look at it right now, they could end up in a playoffs matchup with Ludwigsburg or Oldenburg. And even though I respect those two teams a lot, I'm not willing to say that they're the favorites against Bamberg in a 
three three game series in the playoffs. So just getting into the playoffs after their abysmal start to the season is a huge step, and I I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them win the German league this this time around. Um, but winning it's going to be really tough with teams like uh, yeah. Bayern and 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 Berlin, um, especially. Yeah, they've uh, shown, yeah, they've shown in their games against Bayern and Berlin that they can beat them. They can be around. They're they're not going to be blown out, and they're not going to be the outsiders. Bayern, I think you can kind of keep on going on on on, on what they've been through uh, because now they're in the playoffs, and and um, and you know that's another week, uh, you know of of you know uh, double competition. Berlin only has the one more game, uh, and then there's also the cup as well, uh, which both yeah. Berlin and uh, and and Bayern are in as well. Bamberg is not, so they're they're going to have more time to you know rest, prepare, and and everything else. Um, but once those playoffs come in where they're all on equal rest and stuff, that might be a little bit different, but we'll, we'll see. It's definitely a, a team that a club that's, you know, uh, gone through the rebuild and, uh, and come out, uh, definitely, uh, pretty strong, especially without having fans and, and that support, which has right. been so great. All right. Yeah. So let's, let's look at the next week's uh, games, final game day of the, of the, uh, playoffs Tuesday for, uh, Tuesday, five games, group I, the two games, Halone um, uh, against Tofas, um, and then Kashiaka uh, hosting Brindisi. Brindisi did win the first game by four points, um, so there is that advantage going to that game. There's uh, first place at stake in Group J between Tenerife and Burgos. Game is in Tenerife. Ikea is already locked up third place. They host Fevriga, and the other game is Group L. Cesare looking for their first victory at home against Nimbuk. Um, I guess you know probably that that the Kashiaka Bredizi game is the one we're watching on on, yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah. Pretty easy. Yeah, of and I'm just wondering if Brindisi are gonna be a bit relaxed because they know they can allow themselves to lose the game. Yeah, but, but... Three, three points. Uh, a uh, three-point yeah. easy is okay, uh, you know, but that's hard, you know. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. Wednesday, just two games. Strasbourg hosting Turk Telecom, uh, winner take all in that one. Both teams two and three. Ike hosting uh, Nizhny. Um, obviously, it'd be interesting to see if Nizhny comes back and and finishes uh, finishes uh, the playoffs strong. Uh, but I mean, all eyes are going to be in on France uh, and see what Strasbourg can do against Turk Telecom. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't. I, I, I'm considering Strasbourg the favorites for that one because of the way they bounce back and start playing, and their domestic record is impressive. There, I think they're joint second in the French league or something like that. They're probably at eleven and four, so the, this is a good team. Um, they just needed Ishmael Wayne right back, and things look different now. Then Thursday there's uh, Cesare and, and Bamberg, but uh, obviously the, you know, there's the the game between the top two teams already through um, Nimbrook. Um, Nimbrook hosting Saragossa. Nimbrook will have will have uh, played in southern Italy and in Cesare on Tuesday, then traveled home uh, for a Thursday game in Saragossa. Um, will not have had a uh, Tuesday game. So Saragossa will have the advantage in terms of not having played on Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be a weird game for sure, but first place is up for grabs, so it should be enjoyable. 
All right. Um, that's the show this week. Uh, you can follow us and follow the Basketball Champions League on Twitter and Instagram at BasketballCL. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, you can catch all of the news, uh, the power rankings, MVP race, everything else on championsleague.basketball. There's the mobile app. Don't forget to go over on Twitch, which obviously Igor is spend so much of his time on uh, Not. <laughs> the email address is info at champions league.basketball all the games are live and on demand on live basketball.tv Igor final thoughts uh, to send the fans uh, into the final week of the yeah. playoffs yeah two games to watch for sure but don't miss the rest of the action because I'm just gonna say from my colleague who had to do a Sassari against Bumber game this week and he said Man, I haven't followed this competition a lot, but this is craziness. This is elite stuff. Just to watch it from a player's perspective, from a, a viewer's perspective, from a commentator's perspective, there's a lot of, to follow here, and it's a really good competition. Yeah, uh, I mean, and also for some of the teams that are that are um, eliminated, you know, for youth basketball fans, uh, maybe some of the some of the youngsters uh, in this league also get a couple more minutes. Obviously, we saw that with Tofas and stuff. Um, so obviously, there's a couple of huge huge games in there, and the games to decide first place. And but um, obviously, obviously, nobody wants to lose their final game uh, in the in the uh, in the competition. So with that, we will uh, we wish you all a pleasant week. Good luck. Uh, ha uh, enjoy the uh, last week of the regular season, and we'll talk to you next week.